Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. addiction just makes us all stupider and it prevents us from being able to understand key distinctions, prevents us from being able to properly analyze and interpret very simple concepts that are in front of us. That's why I think it's so sad that patriarchy has become a bad word. God is our father. No one understands the importance of fathers better than Christians, we who have God as our Father. At least in American evangelicalism, there is this idea that the Holy Spirit works only through spontaneity. you got to be making it up on the spot, or else it's not spiritual. The Holy Spirit apparently only works through improv. Farmers in South Dakota listen to issuesetc.org while combining our corn and feeding the world. When someone decides that they're going to devote a portion of their life, perhaps even their entire career, to the defense of their country, to life in the military, to the possibility of being deployed, the possibility of going to war, even of giving one's life, I think the biggest adjustment they think about is the one that is going from mom and dad's house or regular civilian life into the military into that way of life. What about the adjustment at the other end? When one goes from life in the military, life as a soldier or a sailor or a Marine or an airman back to civilian life. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. On this Thursday afternoon, we're going to talk about the vocation of veteran. Chaplain Craig Mueller will be our guest of LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces. A little bit later, Dr. Joel Olowski will be with us. We're going to deal with two issues pertaining to the ancient church. Fourth century bishop of Martin of Tours is remembered on the 11th of November. We'll remember him as well. And there's also a recent column in the New York Times titled, Are Christians Supposed to be Communist? Alleging that the earliest Christians were. Dr. Joel Olowski will deal with those two issues a little later here on Issues Etc. Then we'll go through listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. Joining us to talk about the vocation of veteran, we will be observing Veterans Day on November 11th. Chaplain Craig Mueller, he's a retired U.S. Navy chaplain and director of LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces. Chaplain Mueller, welcome back to Issues Etc. Thank you so much, Todd. It's great to be here. For you personally, moving from military to civilian life, or as in this case, retiring from the U.S. Navy as a chaplain, what was the biggest adjustment that you had to make? That's a really good question, Todd. You know, I know for everybody it's different, but for me, in my situation, my last tour, I was actually working in the Pentagon at the Deputy Chaplain of the Marine Corps office. And I think, you know, after I took this position here for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, the hardest adjustment was just the, what we would call the op tempo, the operation tempo, you know, with all the uh, rigid 
uh, structured life that you had in the military, even up to, you know, a Navy captain, you still have a pretty much structured, rigid, rigid life that you have to, to adjust to. And I think when I became uh, here as back out of the military into the civilian world, it was just an adjustment of not wearing the uniform, not having to get up and, uh, you know, PT unless I want to stay in shape, which, of course, we need to do. But that's another point. But uh, you don't have someone yelling at you to, you know, to make your run and do your physical fitness and in uh, a lot of, you know, just the regiment of the military. So I think for me and then also just uh you know, working with 18 to 26 year olds, I think that was the majority of my uh, congregation, if you will, the, you know, the majority of the troops that I worked with as a chaplain, it was really hard to miss that because it was kind of like the eternal youth group. But at the same time, I also know that those years of experience uh, were something that God used for me for this position where I can continue to serve our chaplains who are in the fight uh, with our men and women of the military, as well as starting this Operation Barnabas ministry with an outreach to our veterans, being a veteran myself. So I think the biggest adjustment is, you know, the lack of um, high op tempo, as we would say. It's more uh, relaxed, less structured, and a lot less moving. And I think even my kids, which really kind of surprised me, I've been in this position a little over three years now, and my twin girls who are sophomores in high school asked me a little while ago and said, uh, you know, when are we going to move again? I thought you were going to move again. We moved every two or three years. So it's kind of odd for them to realize that, hey, God willing, we might be in this place for a little while longer, you know, and not have to move every two or three years. Talk about what that is like going from this structure to going from kind of the, well, the much less structured civilian life for the average soldier when they may even long for a certain kind of comfort that that chain of command, that structure had given them, and now it's gone in their life. They they don't have that security of that structure. That's a very good point, Todd. I think that's kind of the struggle that gets to the heart of the issue for, you know, every veteran is different, and those who get out, whether they served, you know, a very short time, the minimum, or stayed in for 30, 40 years, it's really that purpose that they had. You know, they they worked on a small unit team. They were driven. They had others who were uh, pushing them to accomplish the mission, uh, whether, again, as I mentioned before, just to stay in, in shape or whatever their their goal was of of their unit. You know, every unit has a different mission. Every unit has a different goal. And they worked as a team. And, and I think a lot of struggles for veterans is then that now that they're out, whether they decide to go to college or uh, use their GI Bill and do that or just get a job. They lose that uh, connectedness, if you will. I think there's a lot of them that miss that camaraderie, you know, of uh, the close quarters and uh, having that battle buddy with you at all times and trying to make those new friends who may not have been in the military. As uh, many probably know, it's only less than 1% who have served. So it's unless they're serving with another veteran, it's really hard to find that kind of camaraderie, that person that they can really connect with. And so they try to adjust, and, and many do it very well. I think their motto is continue to serve. You know, they're looking for something they enjoy in life that where God has called them to serve, whatever that vocation may be, moving on from an active duty military or reserve military person. How do you respond to the assertion that the Bible may say something about active duty soldier, as we would call them today, but it doesn't say anything about veterans. Therefore, we should be silent on the topic. There's nothing for us to say as Christians. 
That's a very interesting question, Todd. And I, I, I've never really thought about that before. But I think, you know, it's sort of like uh, you don't cease to be. I was thinking about that earlier with uh, whatever your vocation, whether you're, uh, let's say, a pastor and then you retire and then you're a pastor emeritus. Is is that a, a vocation of emeritus? I think the term veteran is strictly just using those that have served, you know, in that vocation of the profession of arms. And so I think it's just honoring the sacrifice and the service that they have done when they were active duty or reserve serving as a soldier, airman, coast guardsman or or marine in serving our nation. So scripture may not just specifically say, but as you pointed out, there's lots of references of, you know, the military people in the Bible that Jesus talks about or talks to the centurion and to be, uh, you know, good leaders and, and faithful people examples. And then, of course, we have Luther who wrote, uh, Soldiers Too Can Be Saved, where he really unpacks that vocation and how it is an honorable vocation. So I think the term veteran is just simply an honorary term for those who have served and worn our, uh, the uniform of our nation. And it's also very clear too that just because you wore it, you know, we use the term veteran, and, and I guess maybe not to go down that road, but we also know that there are those who have not served honorably. So I think it's important to distinguish between the veterans who are veterans who have served honorably and those who maybe served but uh, didn't do well and got thrown out or dishonorably discharged or whatever uh, phrase you want to use. So I would just say that uh, for those who don't believe and the honor and vocation of a soldier would probably have the difficult time of a veteran because to me it's the it's one and the same thing a veteran is just recognizing and acknowledging someone who has served and given uh, some of their time whether again it was 3 years or 40 years of their life to serve their nation in uh the vocation of a profession of arms i've had as a as a parish pastor of almost 30 years the opportunity to get to know a lot of veterans they just are all throughout our population. Some of them are more recent, but most of them, at least in my experience, and that's probably not unique, are men who are of retirement age who served a long time ago. Some of them are combat veterans, some of them not. I've noticed two things about them, Chaplain. They're deeply proud of what they were able to do, regardless of where they served. And sometimes... They're not very anxious to tell you about everything that they did or that happened to them. Can you explain those two things about veterans among us today? Sure. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, that that is definitely true. And I think that I've had the same experience working with uh, some of my veterans that we work with. And, and I think it comes to their core values that they're taught in the military. You know, it's not the, you know, the perfect place as any other institution, but the values that are taught are clearly others before self. Just do your job. It's what you're, uh, you know, you're called to do to serve and to be humble about it. And, you know, to get these awards that some get, you you know, some are very almost uh, ashamed and humbled and they don't really like to brag about that they got the silver star or the bronze star or their heroic efforts that they've done but i really do think it it comes to the uh, the ethos of the organization that you're we're in this together you're you're just looking out for the guy next to you neck on your left and your right but to serve your nation 
selflessly do your duty. And I think at the end of the day, most of our veterans, as you just kind of alluded to, will say, hey, I just did my duty. You know, I served and, uh, and you know, when you and I had talked to some of these folks, it's like, wow, you know, I don't know how much uh, times you run into, but I ran into a veteran from World War II at one of my events. He had a POW MIA hat. And I asked him, uh, are you just honoring the POW MIAs or were you one of them? And he goes, I was a POW twice. And they told me a story about how he got captured by the Germans and he called, they called him the rabbit. They would send him out about a mile ahead. And if he didn't come back, they knew the Germans were out there, you know, just, just in conversation as like, man, you know, that's, uh, Probably, Holly, I don't know if anybody else knows that unless you ask him. I don't know if it's going to be recorded, but that's just kind of the attitude. I did what I had to do. I served and, um, you know, now I'm moving on. So um, when we talk about the vocation of veteran, we're talking about men who have reaped the, the benefits of what it is and, and many times made the sacrifices of what it is to have served our country in the military, and then move into civilian life. One of the things I've also noticed about at least the veterans I've known, they have, their service in the military, generally speaking, has held them in very good stead for civilian life. They come out well prepared to do what other other kinds of vocations they are called to do. Talk about that. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a a very good point. And one of the things that the military tries to do for all those getting out now are are to have a transition class where they try to take those skills, knowledge and abilities that the soldier, sailor, airman, marine has, whatever their occupation was in the military, and convert that to civilian jobs. There's so many things that translate kind of difficult, but then when you find out what they really did, their leadership skills, their ability to get people to work together, think outside the box. You know, they're in arduous and uh, difficult situations so they can think on their feet. They're loyal. Employers are always looking for people who are loyal, that are going to show up on time, stay till the job is done, you know, and, and not steal from the till, if you will. But they are, uh, they get all that core values. And, you know, for, again, if they do the minimum of their en- enlistment of three or four years, they still get that in- ingrained in them, that honor, courage, and commitment of their, and that translates quickly into the civilian world, whether they're studying or whether they're working for somebody else. So I think that is a big part of veterans ethos, if you will, to to work together in the military like that. What kind of challenges do the families of veterans face? Well, thank you for mentioning that, Todd. That's so critical. And I, even this day, when I mentioned my uh, twin girls earlier, I think that's something that's often forgotten, even on these Veteran Day celebrations of, we recognize those who have served, but the sacrifices that, again, I'll just speak from personal experience and what I've seen as a chaplain too, the the separations and the deployments. I counted it with uh, my wife, and I think I've been deployed, gone from my family about a total of seven years, if you count out all my deployments uh, through my 28 years of service. So that's seven years, you know, we miss birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, all kinds of things that you'll never get back. And it's the families that uh, supported you while you were there so you could do your job and take care of, for me, obviously, my vocation as a chaplain, to, you know, to provide Word and Sacrament ministry to those that I served, wherever they are deployed, I had to be with them to to be their pastor, to be their chaplain. And the same for all the military families. You know, it's the families at home that sacrifice so much that step up to the plate and are really you know, running the household, holding down the front, if you would, you know, the home front. We kind of 
joke about that, but it's a, a serious thing. They do do that a lot with the quick deployments, the long deployments, the on-scheduled uh, deployments, but to hold everything together. And then the kids, you know, they they joke about it, sometimes call themselves Navy brats or whatever service branch they are. But uh, it, that's a sacrifice, too, that they have had to give up their, their dad for, for many years of different events that I wasn't able to be there. And I think so when we think of our veterans, we can't forget about our veteran families who sacrifice so much to allow them to serve our nation and for the freedoms that we enjoy today. We're talking about the vocation of veteran Chaplain Craig Mueller is our guest, retired U.S. Navy chaplain, director of LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the vocation, but also that holding down the home front, keeping those home fires burning. Stay tuned. Here on the front lines, sleep in peace tonight, American soldiers. Religious liberty is an issue I think that we as Christians need to get out in front of. Mark Hemingway talking about his joint presentation at the 2017 Fall Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. Whether it's willful or simple ignorance, the media have badly misrepresented this issue. It is also vital that all Americans understand just how foundational religious liberty and freedom of conscience are to the preservation of all American freedoms. And this is something that even those Americans who aren't religious should understand and agree with. I also happen to believe that we as Lutherans, with our understanding of Two Kingdoms theology, are in an excellent position to be the explainers and ambassadors of this issue. You can meet and hear Mark and Molly Hemingway making the case for religious liberty at the Fall Making the Case Conference Friday, November 10th and Saturday, November 11th in Houston, Texas. Registration is $120. Child care is free. Find out more and register at issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. The radio voice of the Lutheran faith for the 21st century. You're listening to Issues Etc. This holiday shopping season, skip the Fruit of the Month Club. Don't fall for any ridiculous as-seen-on-TV offers. Just say no to ugly sweaters. Instead, give your family and friends the best of Lutheran reflection on faith and life, theology and culture. Delivered monthly right to their mailboxes. Give them the Lutheran Witness magazine. Visit cph.org slash witness to purchase subscriptions for Christmas or anytime. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the contemporary world from a Lutheran Christian perspective. Did you know that you can listen to our 24-7 talk and music stations using Amazon Echo? All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Lutheran Public Radio. Lutheran Public Radio. Or, Alexa, play Lutheran Talk Radio. Lutheran Talk Radio. Own thing, you know, there's this recognition that unrighteous mammon... Lutheran music, Lutheran talk, anytime, day or night, on Amazon Echo. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. On this Thursday afternoon, we're talking about the vocation of veteran chaplain Craig Mueller is our guest, retired U.S. Navy chaplain and director of LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces. I want you to talk, you talked about the kids before, but I do want you to talk about the spouses of, of veterans. Some of, sometimes the family is of, of two veterans, but the spouses of veterans during their time of service, what are they called upon to do? I can't imagine my wife doing it without me 
<laughs> for a total of seven years as your wife may have done without you. Yeah, it is amazing. You know, you, it's something that you don't even think about, but it's one of those things that uh, I guess, you know, as they would say, we've been over 240 years of uh, deployments with the military, but it, it's really I think for us, you know, in our life journey, uh, we got married and then I went right from the parish to active duty Navy before we had children. And so it kind of grew into it together. But really, she basically had to learn and, and do everything that I would do, you know, from whatever's chores that we would split up she she had the whole the whole show i mean there was no way i could help her uh when i was on a ship or you know deployed overseas in in combat operations there's just nothing i could do to help her so to know that she had all the resources that she needed and of course Todd, one of the biggest things that i always emphasize to those in my pre-deployment briefs is just stay connected to your your churches and i, I think Kristen would agree with that and Kristen's my wife's name that it was really our missouri Synod churches that she was connected to before I deployed that really encouraged and supported her uh, through the tough times and, and whatever challenges would come her way. Of course, the, you know, the military always has their support groups and the, the spouse groups and other organizations that are there to help you. But really, you it, it's just like uh, you, I, as the father, walk out, uh, say goodbye to the kids and goodbye to my wife, goodbye for you know seven months, and our longest was 13 months. And in that time... You know, I'm saying goodbye to all the other responsibilities, and she's got to make it go. <laughs> so she's got to run the home front, as you said. And that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about now in my current position with our Missouri Senate congregations to to reach out to those uh, military-connected people in your community. Uh, it's such an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to support them when their spouses are deployed and whatever hardships they're going through. Because it is a lot of responsibility. You know, they don't have a chance to do a date night or to get away, depending on how many children they have or what their other responsibilities are. So this is a great opportunity. I appreciate you for letting me have that opportunity to share that, the importance of our families on this Veterans Day. I want you to talk more about those those churches that can be surrogate family. They can be, they're certainly spiritual family. Um, how can churches help both the families of those who serve, but also when everybody's back together and they're adjusting to have dad in the house year round or mom in the house year round, how can churches help there? Well, first of all, when they are separated, you know, just the simple things, again, the part, you know, the church in there knows their community. We would call it the AOR, the area of responsibility. You know, if you live in a cold weather climate, you know, just offering to shovel their driveway or, or their sidewalks or some of the ladies of the congregation offering to volunteer to, to babysit so she can go out and, and have a date night or just go out with her girlfriends or just do, just get some peace and quiet and anything, you know, to help with that, to always stay in touch with them, to see if there's something they could do, you know, if there's uh, something that needs to be repaired or fixed. But you also are very astute, and I really appreciate, Todd, the part about the the reintegration piece when the service member does come back into the home. And it's such a critical time to readjust and for the church to be aware of that, you know, as they reintegrate as a family again, being gone so long. The children, you know, especially depending on the age of the kids, so many of my Guys, I served with, and even with me, some of my younger kids, when I come home, wouldn't recognize you. It takes a long time for them to remember who you are. And now today, it shows my age that we have more of the video and Skype. So at least there's some way that they've stayed connected while their deployment. 
But uh, just to give them, again, the opportunity to maybe take the kids so they can get, uh, you know, Mom and dad can spend some time reinquating and, and uh, just adjusting with the kids. But I think most of it is just to know that they're there if there is something that comes up. You know, if there's a crisis and not be ashamed to ask and, you know, say, hey, how's it going? Uh, do you need some time? Is there anything I can do? Uh, is there something that was broken that you couldn't fix while you're gone? I mean, the sky's the limit. The congregation just it needs to be aware, be present, and and just assure them that they support them in their reintegration as they come back to home. How much of a comfort for you was that during times of deployment that you knew that your wife had people who were not only just concerned about it, but they were that it was Christian concern that they had for her and your family. I can't even say how important that was to me because it gave me the confidence to know that I could focus on my vocation and mission of taking care of all my Marines and sailors who have lots of issues going on in their lives. And if I had to worry about uh, my wife and all of her stuff going on, and did she have a church home? Does she have any uh, support? It would be hard for me to do my position and saying, yeah, it is tough, you know, but this is what happened in my life. But I just can't say how we've been blessed enough in all of our duty stations with a church home. Every place we were in those 24 years of of moving around the world to find a, a great church home for spiritual support, the Word and Sacrament ministry, but also the friendships that have been developed that I knew that she always had someone she could call and it's just words can't describe it and it's one of those things I always try to tell my troops whenever I could that it's so important to stay connected to your church to find a church you know as you know Todd, the studies are a lot of less and less of our millennials in this age group are connected to churches so they're missing that support and that opportunity so our churches can fill the gap if they if they step up to the plate and do intentional ministry to those who serve our nation. Many of our veterans carry with them for the rest of their lives both physical or psychological emotional scars. What can we who want to help and want to extend friendship and Christian care to them, what can we do for those veterans? Todd, I think the biggest thing is is we just got to ask them. We know it's their story to tell. It'd be surprising if they actually can tell that you genuinely have Christian concern and want to know how they're doing or what's going on. And if they you know show signs of uh, some traumatized uh, events or some, I hate to use the term because we're not diagnosing people, but some kind of post-traumatic event. And then that's where we can get them and assist them to get to the professional help that they need through the VA system. The VA has wonderful resources that uh, they are available. But sometimes it's that warm handoff that the church can give to them and support them. And one of the biggest things, Todd, that we don't want people to do is to just say, here, here's the 800 number to the VA and let it go at that. It really has to be a warm handoff that the pastor or the member of the church goes with them. And is with them through the whole process to show that we're in this for the long haul. We're not just here to say, hey, we helped a vet. We're here to say that we are witnessing to you, that we love you as Christ loves you, and we are here to support you just as, as Christ uh, has died for you to, to save you. And we're, we're in this for the long haul. One of the specific concerns that I think many people have, and this affects not only veteran but his family when he has returned, is 
the incidence, especially after combat or something like that, the incidence of substance abuse is pretty high. It's it's rocket high for a lot of veterans. What would you have to say about that? It absolutely is. And I think, um, you know, the whole gamut, you know, the some of the veterans I've worked with who are self-medicating is what we would call it. You know, some of it is just because, you know, when they were injured or had the the injury when they were still on active duty, they were prescribed medications. And um, when they were discharged, you know, that they just wanted the pain to go away. And um, they just, that's how I could get it away is just to keep taking this, even though I don't, and there's not the right uh, supervision, if you will, with this medication. But again, I think for the churches to, in that respect is no different than any other, you know, self-medication addiction is to, to let them know that, there's other ways to, to help through this pain, whether it's physical or emotional, that there is help out there. And of course, for us as a, a church centered in Jesus Christ, uh, it just can't be underestimated how the power of the gospel helps those who are struggling with substance abuse and to fill that void in their life because they're just feeling hopeless and helpless. And so they're turning to anything they can to relieve the pain. And uh, sometimes it's drugs or alcohol, and it's just got a bad spiral down effect as we all know too well with 20 veterans a day killing themselves it becomes the ultimate uh, hopelessness act so we, we just need to be there the best we can to let them know we understand and, and just get them the help that they that we can get them before we let you go chaplain tell us about lcms ministry to the armed forces well this is one of our great church initiatives i would say since uh, this since the church was founded when uh, Dr. Walther, uh, even himself, uh, endorsed a chaplain for the Civil War. But my number one job is to recruit pastors to serve as chaplains on active duty and reserve and guard to provide word and sacrament ministry to the men and women who wear our uniform. But another thing that we do is we also then provide all of our service members through ministry by mail, getting them Lutheran devotional materials, working and partnering with other organizations to ensure that they have the materials they need to give, keep them spiritually fit, if you will, with good Lutheran uh, devotional materials through our ministry by mail program. And finally, what we also emphasize now is our project Operation Barnabas, where we encourage congregations to support not only of our active duty guard and reserve, but also the veterans and all military connected people and their families and their communities as an intentional outreach program with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So basically, our ministry is all about those who are called to serve in this vocation of military and their families and their veterans. You can learn more about LCMS ministry to the armed forces at lcms.org slash Armed Forces, serving those who serve, lcms.org slash armed forces. Chaplain Craig Mueller is a retired U.S. Navy chaplain and director of LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces. Craig, thank you very much for your service and for your continued service to the church. Thank you, Todd, and the Lord be with you. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Dr. Joel Olowski about two subjects. One, 4th century Bishop Martin of Tours and his connection to the Reformation. We'll take up the question posed in the New York Times Sunday Review. Are Christians supposed to be communists? He'll answer that question for us as well. Then an hour two of Issues Etc. Listener email on the Issues Etc. comment line. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay tuned.
How do we continue faithfully to confess and practice our Lutheran faith in a culture of secularism, pluralism, and relativism? The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November is the 2017 edition of Luther's Small Catechism with Explanation. You can browse before you buy at issuesetc.org or call Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month, Luther's Small Catechism with Explanation, 2017 edition. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. At Advent Lutheran Church in Zionsville, Indiana, God's Word and sacraments work to forgive sinners through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We invite you to join the rich heritage of traditional liturgy in our Sunday morning worship. You can find us online at adventlutheran.org. Where doctrine is life. You're listening to Issues Etc. Our school is committed to authentic Lutheranism, the entire Book of Concord, and indeed to authentic Lutheranism as it has continued to be confessed and practiced through the centuries right up into our own time. Dr. Cameron McKenzie, Chairman of the Department of Historical Theology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We're committed then to biblical, confessional Christianity and Lutheranism and applying it to the world of today in as effective a way as we can. You can find out more about studying for the pastoral ministry at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, at ctsfw.edu, ctsfw.edu, or call 1-800-481-2155. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana.